You're welcome to grab a seat. Uh, don't you worry, we will have plenty of opportunity to hang out with one another as uh, we have a fun uh, morning ahead, even after the service, while we have delicious, tre- delicious treats, uh, coffee. Uh, for those of you that know me, I, I love coffee, and uh, some would uh, deem me as a coffee snob. I don't know if I would go there, uh, but... Uh, my friend and I, uh, we will share our love for coffee with you by being your Bethany Westiel baristas. Uh, so I want to see you downstairs, whether it's a pour over or a single origin. Anybody? Okay. Well, if you don't know, you go for the drip. If you know, come to me, okay? Uh, okay, the coffee snobs understood that joke as well. Uh, so happy Easter. He has risen. One more time. He has risen. Yes, I told myself when I was going to be a pastor that I would never do that, Uh, but here we are uh, because it's Easter, and we have to, and we celebrate that. Uh, We acknowledge that Jesus has risen. So just know that uh, today is a wonderful day, even for this service. So many people, so many volunteers uh, even came yesterday, even uh, this morning to help set up to create this awesome opportunity and experience for you. Uh, we had many, many people show up at 8 a.m. to make sure that there was space here at 9.30 a.m. And so uh, we're thankful for the early, early risers. Uh, and we're thankful for you to be here, to join us, to hear about the message of Jesus this morning. Uh, even setting up this morning, we normally move this communion table if we don't have communion. Uh, and, and to make sure it was perfect, as soon as, you know, a few of us, we came to, to, to move it, Chelsea, our worship director, she was rehearsing and playing and in mid-song looked at me dead in the eyes and said, no. Uh, And I knew not to touch it because everything is set up the way it's supposed to be uh, so we can just bask in what God has for us this morning. So um, before I start, I I have to acknowledge this. Uh, I know that today is a day of celebration and joy, uh, and we continue to be so and, and, to, and to celebrate that. But if you've heard the news this morning, just this morning, last I heard, uh, there was a tragedy in Sri Lanka uh, where several, eight is the last I heard, churches and other places were attacked uh, and over 200 people dead. And I didn't want to start there because today is meant to be a day of celebration and joy, but it would be an injustice not not to talk about that, not to bring that up, because I would argue that even tragedy and darkness and news like that still points to a redemptive God. It still reminds us of what Easter is all about, and Easter is all about a day where we can look death in the face, darkness in the face, pain in the face, and say, I am not afraid. And nothing can take my hallelujah, is what the song says, is what we sang. And this is when the rubber meets the road. That during times of tragedy and death and pain, that we have the hope and the confidence, though we mourn and we lament, we can also with them say that death does not have the last word, and the resurrection of Jesus makes that possible. And so I hope that this morning we can focus 
on the fact that Jesus rose from the dead to bring us new life. So sin and death and darkness will no longer have captive over our hearts and our lives. And so this morning our text comes from Luke chapter 24, and I will read this to you. We'll pray, uh, and we will just unpack what God might have to say to us on this Easter morning. And I love that the kids are here. May the kids be here. May they cry. May they run around. May they make noise and celebration in, the, in their own ways. And may those around them, don't shame them. If you're a mother or a father or a caretaker, uh, don't feel like if your kid is crying or fussing that you have to go out. You can if that's what you choose to do. But today, all is welcome in this room to worship together in our own way. So if there's babies crying, if there's kids running around, hallelujah. The word of the Lord says this. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering, again, this will come up, while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them, probably angels. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground, but the men said to them, why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here, for he has risen. He has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee. The Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven uh, and to all those around, it was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary, the mother of James, and the others, so other women with them, who told this to the apostles, verse 11. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the ships of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering, again, wondering to himself, what had happened? Let me pray for our time, and we'll continue. God, thank you for this family of believers, for the people that uh, also family that are just curious and wondering about what this might be about. God, may we all hear from you this morning. May the kids hear from you in their own ways as they're hopped up on Skittles, May they find joy in what you have to say. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Uh, well, several uh, months into uh, Maria and I's relationship, when we first started dating, uh, we're engaged now, uh, I remember after about six or so months being invited to her family vacation. And now, uh, this would be our first like big time family gathering we've met them obviously and hung out together but this was a big event and, and, and she may not know this but I was pretty nervous uh, not because I necessarily had anything to be nervous about because they're wonderful people wonderful family but of course just naturally I, I was nervous to be around them for a few days uh, and, and so we went out and drove out together to uh, Port Angeles 
uh, and, and enjoy just some incredible time with one another playing games and, and reading and, and just hanging out with one another. And we took little excursions. I mean, it was an awesome time. I loved it. Uh, one of the excursions was we stopped by, uh, to the, we made a pit stop at a store. I don't actually recall what store. Uh, and, and we parked. And to get to the store, we had to cross the street uh, from the parking lot. And so we did that. But before we crossed, there was a, a, a fruit tree. Uh, we were, you know, wondering, what kind, wonder what kind of fruit that is. So, you know, her dad, you know, a few of us, we looked, and clearly it was an apple tree, okay? Uh, and, and so we crossed the street, and we're going to the store, uh, and Maria asks again, and I had permission to tell the story, what kind of fruit was that? What kind of tree is this? And her dad clearly said it was an apple. We saw it. It was an apple tree, and next thing I knew, Maria was turning around, running across the street to double check to make sure it was an apple tree, as if her dad was lying to her, as if, uh, you know, we weren't telling the truth. And I remember as soon as she ran across the street to look to see what the fruit was, I remember thinking to myself, she does this to you guys too? <laughs> and, and as soon as I thought that to myself. I wouldn't say that out loud. As soon as I thought that to myself, her dad laughed and said, Maria's been doing that ever since she was a child. And, and I remember thinking this idea of wonder and curiosity. And we have a lot of children in this room. Many of you have children. Many of you have been around children. And you can't help but to see just the natural wonder that comes with children. And now whether for good or bad, uh, you know, you see children uh, going up to people that maybe that they shouldn't or walking around or talking or yelling or screaming or, or, or going into a place that might be dangerous and just exploring because they are, they are just instilled with a sense of, of curiosity. And we've all seen it. We've all experienced it. And, and, and what we understand is that this craving of wonder and curiosity that we've all been created with, we know that it doesn't go away with age. It doesn't go away just because we get older. We are all created with a sense of wonder and curiosity, and perhaps maybe the only thing that changes is what we wonder about, what we become curious about, and that's so different for all of us. You know, maybe some of you guys, you guys stay up late at night wondering, are aliens for real? Or maybe some of you guys are wondering, just because I saw a documentary on this, is the earth actually flat? I know some of you guys are just scratching your head wondering whether the earth is flat or round. Or maybe some of you, especially within the last week or so, uh, have been wondering, how will this particular HBO show end? And I will tell you right now, I've never seen a single episode and I've never felt so judged. Because people will ask, well, what do you think? I have no idea what you're talking about. And I get that look of just sheer judgment. And then there's a little bit more serious wonderment and curiosity. And I would say wonderment and curiosity that is a bit more universal. And many of us, myself included, we've experienced or experiencing a wonder through questions like, who am I? Who am I? 
What am I here for? What is my purpose? And even a deeper philosophical question, just looking around, how did we all get here? A question of identity. A question of worth. A question of contentment. And I would submit to you, at the very root, at the very heart of these universal questions is actually a longing and searching for peace. In John chapter 16, it says this, I have told you, this is Jesus speaking, uh, after speaking of his life, death, and resurrection, he tells his disciples this, I have told you these things so that, so I've told you about my resurrection, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have come to bring peace. And now if we talk about and think about the word peace, we think about uh, essentially an absence of conflict. This Western understanding of, of peace is just no yelling, no screaming, no raising of voice, no fighting. It's just nothing. That is peace. It's absence of conflict. But this Jewish ancient understanding uh, of peace was a bit more holistic than the way we understand it today. It was a sense, it was a word that was referred to in Hebrew, the word shalom. Shalom. Now, shalom is not something that we can totally define. It's not something we can totally define, but it's something we can totally feel in the deepest part of our souls. We know when we feel this sense of peace, a sense of shalom, and we actually know when we don't feel it or it's absent in our lives, a chaos within the depths of our souls. We know what it feels like to experience true shalom. It feels like harmony. It feels like fulfillment. It feels like contentment. It feels like joy and not just happiness where it's contingent upon different circumstances, but a joy that is rooted in our creator, being intimately connected with our creator rather than anything that has been created. And I would argue that to be human, just to be human, is to wonder, is to long for this shalom, this peace, to search for it, to long for it, to desire it. And again, it doesn't matter what ethnicity you are, it doesn't matter your wealth, it doesn't matter your education, it doesn't matter your possessions, your life, who you love, who you're going to relate, it, it just doesn't matter. We all strive to discover it's just a natural human instinct to long for shalom. Several years ago, uh, while I was in seminary, I was a, uh, a volunteer chaplain at a trauma center. Uh, and it was just, it was an interesting experience because the only people that called me to talk uh, were those literally on their deathbed. Uh, or the physicians or a surgeon would call me in because I was always the messenger uh, of bad news. And so, in fact, when I was in, when I, whenever I came downstairs to the emergency room, uh, my nickname, or the chaplain's nickname down there was the Grim Reaper. 
because they knew that if the chaplain came to your hospital room, that something was not good. But then there are, again, other times when I was invited just to talk and just to uh, fulfill some of the loneliness that people had just laying in bed, literally just waiting to die. And, and, and I rem- if I remember correctly, I would say that 100% of the people that I talked to, when they reflect about their lives, 100% was never about bragging about how much money they made, never being uh, talk, talking about how fulfilled they are because of their, their wealth, their retirement, uh, their possessions, their status, their job title, the letters after their last name. It was none of that. It was always pointing to this question, did I live a life of shalom? Did I experience peace? Did I love? Was I connected to the creator as I lived in this creation? They asked questions, deeper questions that wasn't about material possessions, but it was about their souls. Was I fulfilled? Was I pursuing the right things? Was I in love with the right things, with the right people? Did I live a life of Shalom. And Luke chapter 24 digs into that same question. And and, and let me set up this story for you just really quickly because we talked about this on Good Friday, uh, where Good Friday three days ago was about Jesus' death. And and in Jesus' death, we're able to lament and to mourn and to acknowledge that Jesus died on our behalf in order to conquer death death and sin and darkness in our own lives so that we may experience the kingdom of God here on earth and after we die for it. That's just a Christian reality. And then three days later, after Jesus' death, these women came, named uh, Mary, the mother of James, Joanna, Mary Magdalene, and others. So there was a group of women that came to the tomb to continue this ritual, this way of honor and worship, to bring spices to the body. And and as soon as they do that, they saw that the cave was open and that Jesus was gone. And it said that Jesus was gone because Jesus has risen. And and in chapter 24, verse 5 through 6, it says, In their fright, as we read, the women bowed down, uh, and, and these angels said, Why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do you look for the living among the dead? That seems to be a question in our entire Christian experience as we talk about shalom, uh, peace, this everlasting joy that does not go away within circumstances. Where are we looking for this fulfillment? Because again, I would argue that all of us, no matter what you believe, no matter what your background is, we have been born, created to this agonizing desire and longing to find shalom. And the question here is, where are you looking for that shalom? And the next question is, are you looking for that, that fulfillment, that joy in the wrong places? When I was in college, um, I had a, a friend who was a couple years older and I remember while we were students at the school that we looked at this guy's life because right after college, a lot of us, we said, man, if anyone has made it, it's this guy. Hey, as soon as he graduated, he was hired on to a big old financial firm where he was making a lot of money. 
He was driving a nice car. He had bought a house right after graduating college. He surrounded himself uh, with beautiful people uh, and just, quote-unquote, lived the life. And not only that, uh, as lo and behold, uh, he was actually, I don't know if it's, they're called contestants, but he was a contestant on the, on the show that some of you guys may watch. It's called The Bachelorette. No, don't pretend. Come on. Don't pretend you don't watch that. And, and, and as soon as we knew, and he wasn't just like the first one eliminated. I mean, he, I mean, he may not be the top five, but he was part of the game. Like he was there, uh, you know, and, and met famous people. And he was part of the whole show for a long time. And, and for those of us looking at people that graduated, if anyone has made it, it was this guy. He was an example of, of someone who found joy and, and peace and, and, and true life. Then uh, I would say people like him in the circles that he ran with didn't really like hanging out with youth pastors like me. Let's just put it that way. Uh, But we had an opportunity to hang out at least once a year in our annual turkey bowl that we played uh, before Thanksgiving. And and I don't know what it was, but throughout the whole game, we were just chit-chatting. We are talking about life. He was asking me questions about my faith, about what I do, asking questions about how was Bachelorette. I mean, it was just, it was a good time. Uh, And surprisingly, at the end of our game, he started becoming a little bit more vulnerable. And he started asking me questions about about my faith again. And then something unusual happened where he would confess to me. He would say, Prentice, I don't know what it is, but there are times where I just can't fall asleep at night. There are times where I don't know what it is, but I can't fall asleep because I feel like there's something missing in my life. It feels like I don't have everything together. And I was listening to that. It was very shocking to me because I would think that someone like him who's been on The Bachelorette, who's been on TV, who has all the money, who has all the status, who has all the people around them, who has, you know, a lot of wealth, I would think that if this person, if anyone believes that they've made it or, or is completely satisfied, it's this person. And he would look at me and he would say, Prentice, there's something unfulfilled in my life. And, and I would argue that many of us, many of us like this person, have searched and longed and, and, and tried to find a sense of shalom and peace and fulfillment in all the wrong places. And, and the same question goes to me, goes to all of us, the question of why do you look for the living among the dead? Why do we search for this shalom in all the wrong places and ultimately the places that will only not bring life but bring disappointment? And I ask you to consider the promises of Jesus. I ask you, whether you have been a Christian for a long time, to reconsider the promises of Jesus. Whether you are brand new to this church thing, I ask you for the first time to consider the promises of Jesus. He says things like all over the New Testament, uh, those who search after me, I will go to you, and you will be thirsty no more. You will be hungry no more. He promises to give life, and not just a a, a regular life, not just bios, where we get the word biology, not just a bios life where we're just living, where we're just walking, where we're just breathing. We all know what that feels like sometimes, that that is just our life. Jesus 
comes and he promises to, to trade that bios kind of life with a zoe kind of life. It's another word uh, which means, again, this joy that can only be found, this fulfillment that can only be found when we are, create, when we are connected with our creator as God's creation. The promise of an everlasting life, that life never ends, that we too, uh, along with Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, because of that, we are able to experience that life everlasting as well. That when we hear horrible things on the news, such as this morning, we can say that death does not have the last word. That we can stare death in the face and say, I am not afraid. That through the cross, Jesus defeated sin, our sins, our brokenness, and forgave us, heals us, and transforms us to, to live a new and resurrected life. That is what the cross is about. And, and let me just add one thing. That oftentimes we, we learn and we hear about what I would call this substitutionary atonement. That, that Jesus died because to, to forgive our badness, our sins. And, and I believe that the scripture talks about this idea that Jesus was a substitute for our sins on the cross. Uh, I believe that. And the missing component is that people tend to not talk about is that Jesus defeated darkness, that we didn't have to do anything, that Jesus defeated sin and darkness and evil on our behalf in order for us to be intimately connected to God. In nerdy theological words, I call this, we call this Christus Victor, that Jesus was victorious over sin and death. And I don't know about you, but that seems like good news to me. Something that we should all be longing and searching for. I love this a uh, philosopher, this old philosopher named Pascal, he says this, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person which cannot be, fit, be filled by any created thing, but only by God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. This is good news, my friends. This is the peace of God that many of us we long and search for that brings about a cure to our wonder and our curiosity. And this, this cure of wonder and curiosity, this salvation is available to all of us, to everybody. This is the meaning of the resurrection that we all can experience new life in and through Jesus. And I would say there is no better news and so this morning, I'm not asking you to suddenly just change your mind on all your beliefs, to drop it, or to simply adopt what I believe. That's not what I'm saying. I'm simply asking you this morning, like the disciples, like Peter, like the women, to just wonder, to be curious. Could Jesus be real? Could Jesus' claims be true? Because I believe, uh, alongside all of you, that the Easter story is kind of strange. Jesus dying, coming back to life in three days. Now all of a sudden, we have an opportunity to go to heaven for the rest of our lives. And, you know, th the story is strange. I'll be the first one to confess. But there's something unique, and I believe true about that story, that changes everything. 
And the invitation is for you to be a part of that new life and just to receive. But it starts with curiosity and wonder, the very wonder and curiosity that we're all created with from the beginning. I love that. It says, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and went away wondering to himself what had happened. So this idea of wonder, this original Greek wonder, is not all of a sudden he believed, all of a sudden he was convinced, all of a sudden his life completely changed dramatically. It just said that he was piqued with curiosity. And so may we wonder this Easter day of the claims of Jesus. May we look into this story and see what the story has to offer us and where we land in this story. I love that there's different, let's say, actors in this scene. There's, there are the women who believed, who was faithful, who, who, who preached and who taught the gospel. And when it said that the women spoke, the Greek word spoke is the same word that is used to describe Jesus teaching his disciples. And, and so what we see here are the first missionaries, the first pastors, the first leaders of the church. Uh, and there's this uh, saying that says, nobody, no church would know about the resurrection if it weren't for these women leaders. And so may we, for those of you, for those of us that claim just to be followers, and, and that's a lot of us, may we be reminded uh, by these women to preach and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And I know sometimes that is the hardest crowd. Several years ago, I worked as a Bible teacher uh, at a very wealthy Christian high school. I loved it. It was an awesome experience. I loved the students and the families I worked with. But I tell you what, when it came to peaking curiosity and wonder of the message of the gospel, that has been the hardest crowd to date. And, and many of us were in that same boat. May we be reminded every day the meaning and the uh, 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 in the reality of Jesus' resurrection in our life that brings peace and shalom, the very things that oftentimes we are suspicious about. May we be like these women that have led the charge to be bringers of good news, that Jesus saves, saves you from your search, your emptiness, your pride, your ego, your addictions, that Jesus comes to bring you shalom in all those spaces, to save you from that and bring us even eternal life. This is good news available to everybody and Christians where we stop making the good news bad news, scary news, isolating news. The gospel, the message of Jesus is good news to all. And may we be reminded as followers of Jesus to share that love, that news that invites everybody to the table. Many of us are disciples, especially in this story, who didn't believe. Who had the hardest time being convinced. And maybe some of us or that. Maybe some of us are in this room where you just come for the first time, and, and many of us, like the disciples, ironically, have a hard time believing. What about, what if this morning is an opportunity for you to be curious, like Peter? 
Peter says, the Bible says that Peter was curious and wondered. May we wonder about the resurrection this morning. May we wonder about where we are all searching for shalom and has that been the right place? Or are we, including myself, are we looking for life, shalom, the living among the dead? The places that disappoint, the places that has never been fulfilling. And as I invite the worship team back up, I want us to reflect on these very questions in our own lives. Where have I been searching for shalom? Where have, been, where I, where have I been searching for new life, resurrected life? Is it the cross? Or are we joined with Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection? And the work of Jesus, what Jesus did on the cross was on our behalf. May we receive, that's all we have to do. May we just receive that good news. May we stop running to the, to the dead to look for life, to places that only disappoint. Whether you've been a Christian for a long time, we still do this. Whether you're brand new, I ask you to just wonder, is there a better way? And the celebration of this morning says the answer is yes. And the better way is the way of the cross. That through Jesus' resurrection, that we too, like Jesus, can experience new life. We can experience true shalom. Will you join me in that? Will we become the church that, that longs only for that? May that be good news for everybody. And Christians, may we not get in the way. Where are you searching for shalom? Is it the cross? Is it among the dead? Only one answer to that that will bring satisfaction to our wonder and curiosity. May we discover the reality of the resurrection today and forevermore. Let's pray. God, thank you that in a broken world you came to overcome, to forgive, to heal, to offer new life, shalom, peace. Forgive us for the ways that we've searched for that, longed for that in all the wrong places, and we know that's only led to disappointment. May we seek after you and you alone, knowing that true life, true shalom comes through your life, death, and resurrection. And may our lives be resurrected today as one voice, as one body, as we celebrate life in your resurrection. We thank you for your son, whom you sent, because you loved us, the world. Thank you. May we live by that. May we embrace that every day of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.